Good morning. It is a real honor to, to be here with you. Uh, as, as Ben said, I'm Pastor Larry. Um, I think it's okay if I start with just a little bit of an introduction so we get to know each other a little better. Uh, I like to tell people that I think I might have mission work in my blood. You see, my dad was a missionary to Colombia, so I grew up in Colombia, South America. And after attending seminary, some people say it was to get rid of me, but they did send me into a mission field to the Dominican Republic. I served there for nine years, and then I was called to a cross-cultural ministry in Houston, Texas. And while there at the tail end of that, I was called by our group of churches, our nationwide group of churches, to help lead our world mission work. And shortly after that, I moved up to Wisconsin. That's where I live today. So now that we know each other so deeply, we can begin, right? As much as we'd like to get to know each and every one of you much, much better, and I hope and pray we have those opportunities. That really is just superficial to start, isn't it? And as the administrator of world missions, I get to travel all over the place. In fact, I've traveled to more than 50 countries. I quit counting. My kids keep asking me all the time, how many is it, Dad? I don't even know anymore. And in all of those places, you have those rather superficial moments, but that are very, very important. If you don't make that right first impression, it can really, really set things off to a bad start. For example... I had the privilege recently of visiting Vietnam. Now, we had gone to meet with some of the communist government officials who were considering giving us permission to build a training center to train church leaders of the Hmong people group in Vietnam. What we didn't know going in was that we were also going to be given permission to take a tour of the Hmong churches that were gathering in the northern part of Vietnam. So I had done all my research about Hanoi. I, I learned what was, what was good and what was bad to do as you greeted an official of the government, but I hadn't really paid attention to what I needed to do in a place like this. This is northern Vietnam. And if there's one thing you can say about this place, it's a long ways from here in every way. In fact, as you look at this beautiful scenery, you can imagine the tips of those mountains covered in a, in a mist because it's a tropical area. And those valleys leading down to rivers that feed some of the most beautiful tropical vegetation, flowers, and things like that. And one of the impressive things, you can see it in the picture, is that no matter where you look, you see these centuries-old farms that have been carved out of the hills places where they can grow and flood their rice fields so that they can continue the crop that's their staple there. But when you really start to see how different this is, is when you start to approach where people live. So when you come up to a house, and this is actually a very nice house in that region, you're all of a sudden confronted with this fact, I should have done a little bit more research on how to greet people. Because even though I was walking with a group of Hmong men we had met in Hanoi and had traveled to this part of Vietnam, I wasn't prepared for walking into one of their homes, which shortly happened. And as I walked in, I saw the lady of the house off in one corner of the house. And right then and there, I knew I should have studied more. How do I greet this lady? I grew up in Latin America. Do you walk up to her, give her a big hug and a kiss on the cheek? 
I knew that in Asia, <laughs> that was not the way to do it. How about a good old hearty American handshake? Not good in Asia to touch the wife of someone else. So I knew a few of those things, and I gave maybe a slight nod of my head and a smile, probably gave them an Indian, something like this. They laughed and chuckled a little bit, uh, but it seemed that at least I hadn't worn out my welcome. Then, as I looked around this hut, I noticed that the floor, this dirt floor, everyone else standing on that dirt floor had their shoes off. I did not yet. So right there on the spot, I had to make a decision. Which is better for the American to go walking in with his shoes? Now, remember, I was there on official church business, so I had on my pastor's uniform right down to the black wingtip shoes. And so you can imagine the awkward moment as this big American knelt down, trying not to get his pants all dirty, to take off his shoes and his socks so I could stand like everyone else on that dirt floor. Again, a few chuckles all around, but it seemed that I was going to be welcomed in that house. But even all of that was still quite superficial. To dig deeper, we would need to spend a lot more time, and we didn't share the same language. And actually, in that hut, you could literally dig deeper. It's a dirt floor. If you had a shovel and started to dig into the floor of that house, you would actually learn something about the Hmong people of northern Vietnam. You see, the Hmong people of northern Vietnam, after the birth of a baby, they, they hand off the baby to the mom or the grandmother, and I won't go into these, all these details, but they take everything else that comes out with the birth and save it to bury it in the floor of their house. So while I was there in my bare feet, sitting down to a cup of tea, looking where the children slept on a, on a mat on the floor, seeing where we would gather around the fire, all the time probably standing on a few generations of what had been buried in that floor. I don't know what we would have found if we dug it up, but if you dug deeper into those hearts, what you would find are hearts that are in trouble. Hearts that believe that by burying some of this afterbirth, they can somehow keep their children safe. Because that's what it was all about. That somehow the, the evil spirits that might be wandering around wouldn't dare come into a house where the kids had that connection buried in the floor. In fact, I'm told that kids as old as three years old are not allowed to go out of sight of the house to make sure, according to what they believe, that they are safe. But that's no safety at all. In fact, that's the opposite of safety. It's a tragedy that people all around this world are putting their trust, their whole assurance in something that is a sham. You saw in the video that we share this planet today with 8 billion people. That's a huge number. And those that study this sort of thing tell us that about 7 billion of those people do not believe in Jesus. And that's why our Savior wants to get his word to them. And maybe it'll surprise all of us here to know and understand that the way he wants to do that is through you. 
I want to read you the words from Mark chapter 16. Now, it's right at the end of the Gospel of Mark. And here we have some words of the Great Commission that maybe aren't as familiar to us as the words in Matthew. But it's here that you see Jesus' heart for these people, how intense he is about saving them. I want you to notice as we read this that he wants his word to be so studied, so paid attention to, that he's going to bring miracles along with the preaching of his word. It's from Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. My friends, that's still our task today. To go and preach this word in all the world, to all creation. And maybe your first reaction as you hear that is, Okay, Jesus, if you want me to do this, why don't you give me a few of these miracles? I don't know what would happen if I brought a snake in here today. Maybe we'd test it out on Pastor Ben. I don't know if I'd want to test it on myself and see if he got bit, if he would survive. Or, or, or maybe we would think, yeah, if, you, if I could go through the streets and drink a cup of poison, maybe then people would listen to me. Or, or if I could walk through a hospital and open every door and put my hand on people and watch them get out of bed, then people would pay attention, right? Maybe. But don't miss the biggest miracle of all in this text. It's the type of miracle that still happens every single day. It's the miracle that happened to the disciples. In Mark chapter 16, at the beginning of this chapter, in words we didn't read, we we have the account of the first women arriving at the tomb. And they run back after they realize that Jesus is alive. They run back and tell the disciples. Do you know how the disciples reacted? Yes, Jesus lives. Nope. They didn't believe it. Then... Mark tells us that those two disciples that were walking on the road, you can read more about that in the Gospel of John, they also saw Jesus. And when they realized that it was Jesus alive, they went running back to tell the rest of the disciples. And how did they react? Yes, Jesus is alive? Nope. They didn't believe them either. That's why, did you notice at the beginning of this text what Jesus does? As he's about to send these disciples out on the great commission, what does he have to do first? He had to rebuke them because of their stubborn refusal to believe. And if you were reading through the Gospel of Mark up to this point, and you had in mind everything that Jesus had done for these men and for the world, think about it. 
setting aside the glory of heaven to be born here into this world as a human being, living and being ridiculed for all the things he was doing, being punished to death and death on a cross, and overcoming all of that by rising from the dead. And now here he is with his disciples, and they don't believe. It would not surprise us if the next words in this text were from Jesus saying, that's it, I'm finding someone else. You guys all go to hell. Because that is the consequence of not believing in Jesus. But that's where the miracle happens. The miracle that happens again and again in the Christian church. Instead of turning them away, instead of punishing them right there on the spot, the Lord of the universe there in human form forgives them. In the Gospel of John, you find some words of that forgiveness in the upper room. But Mark here, he just plows right through it and lets the miracle shine for what it is. Instead of words of rejection, God gives them a commission and sends them to go and preach to the world. And that, my friends, is a miracle that happens again and again and again. You know, I talked about this trip to Vietnam. And before you start to think that, yeah, Vietnam, a long ways from here, really doesn't have much to do with us, I want to tell you of how this work got started. There was a Hmong immigrant man that came to Kansas City. And while in Kansas City, he, he started his career as a medical doctor, and right about that time, thought to himself, you know, I really need to look back at my ancestry. And my dad, who was a Christian, really thought this was important. So he began to visit Christian churches in the Kansas City area. And one morning, he walked into a Wells church, and it must have been a festival Sunday because it was packed. So packed, in fact, it was this church here, it was so packed that there was no room to sit down. He had arrived a little late. And so you can imagine this immigrant man in a new place with new culture, new people. He saw all of that and slowly started to back his way out of church. When all of a sudden in the back of church, an elderly man jumped up and said, no, 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 don't leave. Here, have my seat. This elderly man was just doing a Christian thing in Christian love for someone he didn't know, but something that probably anyone here would do as Christians. Little did he know that in the Hmong culture, that would never happen. An elderly man would never give up his chair for a younger man. It would have been against every taboo and norm of Hmong culture. And it made such an impression on him, on this Hmong man, that he started to come back week after week, began to study God's word, and to make a long story short, he began to be a pastor at this church, preaching in the Hmong language. Meanwhile, back in Vietnam, after the things that happened after what they call there the American conflict, the government had tried very hard, especially among the Hmong people, to snuff out any male leadership that existed. In fact, it's startling when you visit these villages in northern Vietnam that you see no men that are my dad's age. 
none. They were either thrown into prison or killed there on the spot. And so by any human standard, you'd imagine that the church of God would have been snuffed out, but it wasn't. It wasn't. The one who sits at the right hand of God is still in control. And as he guided the mothers and the grandmothers to share the stories they knew with their children, as they sang the hymns that they knew from a long time ago, about 15 years ago, as the Vietnamese government began to open up a little more, it was discovered that there was a church body of over 70,000 people there in northern Vietnam. But... Since they were Hmong, the government had not allowed any of them to study as pastors. In fact, after we got to know them, we found out that the most any of the leaders in their church had ever studied in an organized study of the Bible was a two-day workshop. That was it. Compare that to the eight years or so that your pastors here studied to prepare for their ministries. Two days. And so the leader of that church found out that there was this new thing called the internet, and he asked one of the younger pastors, could you look around the world and see if anywhere out there there is someone that is preaching in the Hmong language? Little did he know that Pastor Bunkeo Lor in Kansas City was posting his Hmong sermons online. Remember how he became a pastor? This is maybe a little simplistic, but one man got up and gave him his seat. This was the man now whose sermons were being collected, printed, and distributed to over 2,000 churches in northern Vietnam. They finally contacted Pastor Lor and asked if there was anything he could do to help train the other pastors in that church. And that's when we went That's when we started to meet with the leaders. And by a miracle of God, there's no other way to describe this. By a series of miracles of God, we are now working with 135,000 people in northern Vietnam. It's so easy for us to forget the miracles that we've become accustomed to. The miracles that happened in our heart. And that's why God has sent you. You are just the expert that he needs. Does that surprise you? But just like the disciples that day, how long will it take us to find something that we did just over this past weekend that flies in the face of what God wants us to do in this world? How far back do you have to look? Before you find a word that slipped out of your mouth that was intended to cut somebody else down and make you look better. How far back do you have to look to find a desire that arose in your heart that you already knew did not conform to the will of God? How far before you can recall the thoughts and the plans that all too often put us at the center rather than everyone else in this world? All of these things show the reflection of how we are born, who we should be without the help of God. Sinners, people who have disobeyed and continue to rebel against this God, people who deserve to also hear from Jesus what we would have expected him to say to those disciples. Get away from me. But that's not what he does. 
it's a miracle. A miracle that God chose to send his son to make him live in your place, to put the punishment of your sins on him. And his death on the cross has taken care of it once and for all. And the resurrected Jesus now promises you an eternity after your resurrection in heaven. That's a miracle. And it's the miracle that God will continue to perform again and again and again as he reaches out with this word to the world. I want to give you some examples of these miracles as they're happening in real time. I know it's easy for us to be disconnected from all the mission work that all of the Christian church is doing all around the world. So we are going to take a peek at just one little slice, what our Wisconsin Synod is able to do with the power of God backing it up. When you think of all these people, these Hmong children and the children around the world, our hearts burn with a desire to help them know what we already know so that their reliance can change from cheap traditions that have no power at all to the very power of God. And that's why we go, to take this news to all creation. Right now we have 45 missionaries, there are more coming online every day, that are partnering in 44 different countries. Now if you start to do that math, you say, whoa, wait a second, we're only sending one missionary to one country at a time? Not quite. Our missionaries might travel to several countries. There are eight new countries that we are exploring even at the moment. And this is the team that is carrying it out, people that I ask you to put in your prayers. This was a recent missionary conference that we held in Texas. Our brothers from Hong Kong were not able to come, still because of some COVID regulations and other things going on there. But this is the group that we have sent out into this world to train others so that they can share the good news. And if you would put all the countries in the world where we have now, with God's help, been able to bring the gospel to people that live there, this is what it would look like. Now, it's true that even with a small presence in a country, for example, in Russia, we color in the whole thing. Our church in Russia, and it's suffering right now, as you can imagine, our church in Russia is only about 300 members strong. But it does give you some idea of how much the Lord is using you and your participation in this world mission work to bring the gospel to all people. One of the things that that relies heavily only on the miracle of our Lord is an online outreach effort that we call the TEL Network. It actually started in Latin America. In Latin America, Uh, we had a hard time reaching all the places where we had a little bit of connection. And so we designed some courses online to be able to teach people over the internet. And one of the missionaries, a younger one, (laughs) had the bright idea of starting to do some advertising on Facebook marketing. Now, if you try to do that in the U.S., it's very expensive and very ineffective. We have become so immune to that type of advertising that we hardly even pay attention to it anymore. Little did we know the impact it would have in Latin America. There are now over 2 million people that are following Academia Cristo and the TEL Network, our online outreach efforts. 
We designed an app so they can study through the courses by themselves, the first series of courses, and when they finish the quizzes necessary to pass on, they are then confirmed as part of our fellowship. And every place that this happens, we ask the Lord to help them plant a church where they're at. And it's happening again and again and again. This is a recent missionary visit to a country we had never had work in before, in Costa Rica. This is the group that is now gathering, teaching with the materials that we have provided them online. And this is happening in hundreds of other places across Latin America, Africa, and a little bit now starting in Asia. We don't know where this is all going to go. But we do rely on the one who sits at the right hand of God to design this and knit this all together so people can hear his word. One neat thing that I really wanted to share with this group today is in this picture you have one of our missionaries. If you look at the name on the bottom, you can already guess who it is. But I think if the name wasn't here and I said, one of these people here is a missionary, who would you be looking at? I don't know, but maybe not Elise. But Elise is the missionary. See, as people are are studying online, it includes men and women, and women in places where there is no one else around now are starting to gather groups on their own. So what do we do? How do we help them? Well, you could send a, a bald white missionary like me to try to talk to her. We thought it would be much, much better to send a young, faithful Christian missionary like Elise to help them sort through some of the unique challenges of raising a Christian church as a woman. So these are the types of things that are going on again and again all around the world. This past year, our Mequon Seminary, my son was one of the graduates, in our Mequon Seminary, there were just over 30 graduates. In the worldwide seminaries that we help with our missionaries, there were over 90 graduates. There are now over 500 pastors that are out there in the world helping get the gospel to places like this where for an American missionary, this is just hard. We'll go, we'll try, we'll try to learn the language, we'll try to learn the culture, but how much more effective isn't it for an African to go and do the same? So that now in places all around the world, there are more than 500 of these men preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning just like this to the people that are gathered there. Sometimes how God designs these miracles surprises all of us. I know that our attention is focused on the conflict in Ukraine. It's not the only place where there's conflict in this world. If you've looked at what's happening in Myanmar, you might realize that one of the tribes in the southern part of Myanmar is literally being wiped out. A Lutheran church there had just reached out to us for help, about 25 congregations in about 20 different villages. Just before the government came in with their tanks and soldiers and started to kill everyone. So now some of these people have fled to the borders of India and Bangladesh, where now some of our missionaries are able to go to some of these refugee camps that have sprung up out of nowhere that are housing hundreds of thousands of people in desperate need for hope, not only now, but especially for their eternity. By the power of God's word, connected with our missionaries, we are able to go and witness the amazing things that God has done. And, and, and I just want you to step back and recognize the size of these miracles. 
There was a Bangladeshi man in Detroit, Michigan, who started to attend a Wells church there. It was actually a Wells church focused on the Hispanic neighborhood where, where it was at. But this Bangladeshi man came in and started to study. Had a lot of questions. Took him almost two years to go through the basics of the Bible course that they had there. And at the end of that time, just as he was about to be confirmed in that local church, he got word that his father, who was a Christian man in Bangladesh, had just died. The week that this man became a member of our church body, he inherited two Bible schools in Bangladesh. Even I can figure out that mission work. We are now sending teachers and supporting the teaching of hundreds of men and women in Bangladesh who are determined to reach these Myanmar refugees and many, many others with the gospel. This is a picture of one of the training centers that was just recently held there in Bangladesh. And Bangladesh is a country where less than 1% of the population is Christian, even by name. In Europe a place that has been cold and dark to the gospel for quite a while. There's a group of believers gathering in London. We are sending two missionaries to work with them to see how they might reach out to the rest of Great Britain. And also, out of our work in Europe, the Lutheran Church of Portugal just received this man, Denisio, as a pastor in Brazil. And Denisio now, with the support of our, of, our, of our mission offerings, is now reaching out to over a dozen other groups that have gathered and helping them train so they can continue in their work with the gospel. And so as these people around the globe are learning about Jesus, learning about God's word, they are planting churches, and the miracle happens again and again and again. In Africa... Two big church bodies have just recently approached us in Tanzania and Uganda. At this next summer synod convention, we will welcome the Obadiah Lutheran Synod of Uganda into a partnership that we hope will help spread the gospel in that region of Africa. So as you think of all these amazing things, as you think of your role in it, it might be easy to, to say, well, there's not that much that I can do, but Definitely share what you have learned with others. Pray about that mission work. If you'd like to give offerings to support it, we will be glad to put it to good use. But most of all, I want you to think about your daily life and how God will continue to use you to make contact with people that can then share the gospel in their own homes. I thank you for your support of the work in northern Thailand. Pastor Tom and his mission work there is doing exactly this, training others so that they can continue to share this gospel. And as you think of all these places in the world, maybe your impression of this slice is, wow, what an amazing miracle. But what does it have to do with me? Well, as you love each other, as you love your neighbors, God has already designed each and every part of that so that his gospel will reach this entire world. And all of this work comes with a guarantee. The Apostle John was one of the men that was present this day in, the, in that room with Jesus. And the Apostle John witnessed people being healed from their diseases, witnessed probably people drinking poison and surviving, witnessed people speaking in tongues, 
But there was one miracle that even he had trouble comprehending. As God is giving him a guided tour of heaven, we have an account in his book of Revelation, and we're told at one point he walks out into this room and there he sees a multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. When he sees this crowd, he looks at his angel guide, and, and the guide asks him, who are these people? The apostle John can't even imagine. He says, sir, you know. And he went on to explain. These are the ones that have come out of the mess of the world. These are the ones that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and now stand day and night in his temple. It's you, and it's every single person in this world who puts their trust and faith in Jesus. Could you imagine if the Apostle John was here today? What would he think? Wow! A group of believers in some place I'd never heard of before that have pooled their offerings to build a place like this to the glory of God, who gather every day to be, or every week to be fed by the gospel and nourished to head out in their work in the kingdom. If he could stand here today and hear about 135,000 people in northern Vietnam, where do you think he would rank those miracles? Snakes biting people on the arm or 135,000 people in Vietnam? Put your trust in God. Be confident that as a redeemed child that will live forever with him in heaven, that you have everything that you need, When you know this promise, when you know who your Lord is, his invitation to you doesn't seem so hard at all. So we go. Amen. Will you join me in a word of prayer for all of our our missionaries and those that are working in the gospel around the world? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the amazing things that you have done that have set us aside for an eternity with you. We ask, dear Lord, that you use us. Use us to send people into the world so that many more can hear and know what you have done. We ask, dear Lord, that you be with all the families that have gone out on our behalf into the world. Keep the children, keep the wives, keep them all safe so they can live in comfort and and carry out your great commission. We especially, Lord, ask that you continue your miracle. Use the power of your word to change people's lives for an eternity. In your name we pray, amen.